Welcome to Coog's Talk Stock from WSU Extension, a science-based podcast about animal agriculture for those that raise food animals, those that are interested in learning how, and those that want to learn more about where their food comes from. Find us online at soundcloud.com forward slash Coog's Talk Stock. Hi, this is Hannah Browse, Washington State University Extension Director of Klickitat in Skamenia Counties. In today's episode, we're going to explore some commonly asked questions about purchasing local meat. I'll interview Natasha Moffett-Hemmer. Natasha holds a Master's of Science in Animal Science from WSU, and she is the 4-H Coordinator of Okanagan County, and Natasha's family raises beef cattle. Natasha, would you agree that we're seeing an enhanced interest in purchasing local meats? What would you attribute that to? Hi, Hannah. Yeah, absolutely. In the last few months, there's been a really increased interest in local wholesale meats from producers in the area. I think initially that came out of fear when COVID initiated and people were trying to stockpile food um, and they just were a little bit concerned about their ability to access food during that time. I think now it's a combination of the fact that meat prices have gone up because the industry is a bit backlogged because of COVID. There's not enough workers and we're not getting as much meat out there. So beef prices and meat prices are going up. And so people are looking for other sources other than the grocery stores to purchase their meat. And a lot of times that's local wholesale meat products. And also the fact that I think that people learned about those wholesale meat options that they weren't necessarily aware of before. So because of that fear that came from COVID, there was more local meat being purchased and people realized that was even an option. And now it's becoming a little bit more popular. Okay. All right. Well, you know, one of my favorite ways for purchasing locally raised meat has always been to purchase from 4-H or FFA members. You know, most of our, our county uh, auctions for youth, they've already taken place earlier in the summer as we move into our winter months. But I know many families have raised uh, second animals in case some didn't make weight and others have year-round projects. Is it a good idea to buy privately from 4-H or FFA youth? Yeah. So I think at this point, most animals that were raised for fair, including those backup animals, have probably been sold off. But that doesn't mean those 4-Hers or FFAers don't have other animal projects they're doing on the side or that you might not be interested until next year. And I do think it's a good idea. When you purchase from a 4-H 4-H member or FFA member, you get to support their education about the livestock industry and help their growth in their livestock projects. So you're really supporting the youth in our community. And you also know where that animal is coming from, which is always a great feeling. Um, I do have to say that typically 4-H and FFA animals are a little bit more expensive than what would you, you would buy from a producer, uh, a large producer. But I think it's worth it in the end because you're supporting the education of those youth. Natasha, why are those animals a bit more expensive? So I think it mostly has to do with people are willing to spend more on youth animals than you would in a typical setting because you're really paying to help those kids learn about livestock and ag. And so there is an added value to it because you're not just purchasing the meat, you're purchasing the experience for those youth members. And I also think that the animals that youth are raising typically cost a bit more. Um, they pay a bit more to purchase the 
animals because they want to win the show. The feed they use can be a little bit more expensive. And of course, when you're only raising one animal versus a thousand animals, prices go up. Um, prices are much, much lower for someone who's who's producing a lot more animals than just one. And so in the end, the the kids need more money to come in to cover those costs. But right. also we're paying for that added value of supporting the youth. Thanks for breaking that down for me. It sounds like their input costs are sometimes a little bit higher. They they are um it's, it's, it's expensive to get in on these projects in the first place. And then they're, they're not necessarily buying in bulk and don't have the economy of scale that, that some other larger producers might. So thanks for helping us to understand why those animals might be a little more expensive. I do see posts on Homestead and local livestock social media pages about animals that are for sale. Would it be a good idea to purchase an animal ready for harvest through an ad that I see online or in the classifieds? So my answer to that is it absolutely can be. It just depends on what you're looking for. Buying wholesale is a bit different than going to the store and buying one steak for that night. I think that when you buy local, it means that you're supporting your community, which is always good. It means you're supporting your local livestock producers. And you also know where your meat and product is coming from, which is a good feeling. Uh, the things that you should consider before deciding to purchase wholesale from a local producer is the freezer space that you have when you buy a quarter of an animal, a half or a whole, you're taking up a lot more freezer and fridge space than you would just buying a couple of steaks or roasts at the grocery store. So you need to keep in mind how much freezer space you have available. You also need to keep in mind how much you're willing to spend. Buying wholesale can be a cheaper option in the end, but it's a lot of money up front because you're paying for that entire animal. So it can be thousands of dollars for beef uh, and hundreds and hundreds for pork and lamb. So it's really important to consider what your budget is right now. You also need to know what your meat preferences are. When you buy animals wholesale for meat, you get a variety of cuts. You're not only getting your favorite steaks or roasts, you're getting everything. And so if you only eat one specific thing from uh, beef, lamb, or pork, maybe this isn't the best option for you because you will end up with a little bit of everything. You can't only get rib steaks out of a beef, unfortunately. And then the last thing is making sure that you vet that ranch or that producer that you want to buy from. Make sure that you ask questions, that you know that they're reputable, that they've been doing this a while, or at least have the experience to do it so you get a good experience and that you really like the way they raise their animals and the way they sell their product. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down for me. It sounds like, you know, ask questions, get as much information as you possibly can collect and, and then make a good choice that, that fits with, with your personal needs. And, and that's really helpful to learn more about, you know, when we are looking to purchase local animals. I also want to talk a little bit more about uh, those folks who may be looking to sell their animals. How, how do you predict when an animal is ready to for harvest? So every species and breed of animal has industry standards for when they are ready for harvest based on their weight and their frame size. So what producers should be doing is looking for those industry standards online. Most breed associations will list them and you can figure out about what weight your animal is ready to go. Then you want to kind of plan this ahead of time because it's can be really hard to get into a butcher right now. So you want to make sure that you are planning when the animal will be ready for a finish months ahead of time. So weigh that animal now and figure out based on their weight now and how much they're approximately gaining a day, 
when they'll be ready for market based on that industry average final weight or finishing weight that's good for that breed. Or if you have the ability to look at an animal and know visually when they have enough fat or finish on them, you can do it that way as well, but it's harder to predict using that method. So using the weight method is the best to be able to plan for when they can be harvested. And this totally depends on the production scheme too. For beef, grass-fed animals will be ready at a completely different age and weight than grain-fed animals. So it depends on the production system you have also. Okay. All right. More to look into there. Well, I appreciate you kind of talking to us a little bit about, you know, why 4-H and FFA are, are, are youth raised livestock animals might be more expensive. But in general, how do you determine a fair price for an animal? So you can compare prices that you want to charge based on what local auctions are selling animals for or what the USDA AMS has their weekly prices set at. You also can look for competitive rates in your area, see what other producers are selling their wholesale products for around you to try and uh, price your animal fairly. Uh, You also need to consider whether you're including the butcher fees in your price per pound or if you're going to have that as an added cost on top. I suggest including the butcher fees in your cost because it's a much more honest way of selling your animals. And most consumers don't think about the fact that butcher fees are added on top and can oftentimes be a bit disgruntled when they find out that the $3 a pound you were asking for was actually $3.75 after butcher fees were added. So I always think it's a good good thing to include those butcher fees in your price originally and those consumers are getting an idea of what the total cost will be and you can price in a few different ways as well so uh, you can price the animal based on their live weight price per pound based on their live weight or you can do a price per head just a total cost per animal you can also do it a hanging weight which is the weight of the carcass after it's been harvested and every this hide and organs have been removed so you can do a price per pound on that you also can sell retail cuts uh, if you go through USD inspection. So you can price it per pound on the retail cut as well. Okay. All right. Well, if you're a smaller producer and you know you have animals ready to be sold this year, what is the best way to market and advertise these animals? So I think there's a lot of consumers out there who have never purchased wholesale before. So I think the more information you can include when you're advertising, the better, because they're going to need that information to feel comfortable even asking about the possibility of purchasing a wholesale animal from you. I also think that it's important to be honest about your production. Uh, If you are all natural, if you're grass fed, grain fed, if you use antibiotics or if you don't, being very honest about the production really helps those consumers feel comfortable purchasing from you and they're more likely to come back or even approach you in the first place. I think that you should also take the time to learn about consumer interests. So consumers have different interests in natural or organic or Angus beef or grass-fed beef. So learn about what the people in your area are interested in purchasing and gear your marketing and your production towards that. And also learn about the types of cuts that they want so that when they are ready to order from you, you can help them make sure that they get those types of cuts. 
I think that producers should always be prepared to answer questions and concerns. Uh, a lot of times consumers don't know what a hanging weight is or why the hanging weight that they're paying for is different than the amount of meat they're actually taking home. And there's a lot of questions that can come up when purchasing wholesale beef for the first time. So I think producers really need to do their best to be prepared to answer questions or concerns that might come up and be honest up front about it. And then on the flyers, I always suggest including as much information as possible. So the price, the amount of freezer space they might need, the estimated total cost, the estimated meat amount they'll be taking home, all of their buying options. The more info they can include, the better, because it'll be easier for someone to say, oh, that seems like something I can do and actually approach the producer about purchasing that meat. And then as far as where they should advertise, social media, newspaper, radio, there's some websites like CrowdCow, which uh, is a consumer or ranch to consumer website where you can sell beef products on that website. And that's a really good use for, for getting started. But anywhere and everywhere, don't be afraid to go old school and do the newspaper and radio. A lot of people still look in those places. Okay. Well, what are the options for selling animals and who can they sell them to under those options? So there's a couple of different options for selling animals based on where that animal is going to be harvested at. If it's at a plant that's USDA inspected, then they can sell that beef product as an actual beef product and not as a live animal to retail stores, to restaurants, to individuals. If you go to a USDA inspected facility, you can sell that meat product anywhere. Uh, and unfortunately, there's fewer USDA inspected facilities in the uh, state of Washington, so it can be hard to find one. So you have to kind of consider what your uh, accessibility is to the different places. Um, the other option is just a WSDA licensed custom shop. If you go through that, you actually need to sell the animals ahead of time as live animals. You can still sell shares, so quarters, halves, holes. They just need to be sold to the new buyers ahead of time. So not as a meat product because they are not USDA inspected and they are custom WSDA. So in that case, they can only be sold on a price of a live weight. You cannot sell on hanging or retail cut weights because you're selling the animal prior to harvest. Okay. Well, you know, speaking of processing, you know, how, how do you make a reservation with a butcher and whose responsibility is that? So if it's under custom, technically the responsibility is of the new owners, but most of the time ranchers and producers will help their customers uh, out by going ahead and making those butcher reservations for them, mostly because most consumers haven't done that before. And it's a lot easier for the rancher producer who has done it before to make those reservations and plan for when those animals will be hauled to the butcher. Uh, if USDA, it's absolutely the producer's responsibility because they're selling those as a meat product and they still own those animals when they are taken to harvest. So really ranchers and producers should expect to be making those reservations unless a customer is buying a whole animal and they want to take care of that themselves. Uh, and how to make a reservation with a butcher, I would just suggest figuring out if you want USDA or custom, finding a butcher in the area that you like and trust, and then trying to make plans many, many months ahead of when you actually expect to bring those animals in. So making that estimate of when they'll be ready, like we talked about previously, then making a phone call to your butcher and actually scheduling a week or a few weeks when you can bring animals in for harvest. 
Okay. All right. Well, are there any other rules or regulations that need to be followed when you're selling meat animals? Just maybe things that, you know, folks that are that are new to buying and selling may not even know that they they need to be keeping in mind. Yeah. So we already mentioned the USDA versus custom butchers. You always need to make sure to follow USDA laws and regulations as well as in our state, the WSDA laws and regulations. But they should also take in consideration the local health department laws and regulations on transportation and storage of those meat or food products, as well as the different transportation laws regarding transporting livestock. Okay. All right. Well, Natasha, this has been so insightful. I've learned a lot, you know, about uh, if I'm wanting to purchase or if I'm wanting to sell. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us before we wrap up our podcast today? Yeah, I encourage everyone who might be interested in purchasing meat from a 4-H or FFA member or from a local producer to do so. Don't let it being a new process with a lot of details scare you off. Most producers are happy to walk through it with you, answer questions, help you through the new process. And it's worth it in the end because you get a really fresh quality product that you know where it's coming from and you're supporting local producers and your youth in the area. Awesome. Natasha, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I've learned a lot and I know our listeners have too. Thank you. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you for listening to the Cougs Talk Stock podcast brought to you by Washington State University Extension. You can review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen. Find us online at soundcloud.com forward slash Cougs Talk Stock, where the additional resources from our podcast are linked. Let us know if you have any burning questions or suggestions at Stock at wsu.edu. This podcast is brought to you by Hannah Browse, Sarah Drager, Dr. Don Llewellyn, and Natasha Moffat-Hemmer, and is produced by Connors Communications at Washington State University. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.